him. I mean, temptation. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, we're, we've been doing a series called Facing Your Giants. We did a thing running with the giants, but facing your giants. And uh, we've, we've looked at, I mean, we all face giants, just like David faced Goliath and he had that slingshot. Uh, we face giants of stuff like fear and uh, guilt and shame. And last week we talked about the giant of the lack of integrity around our country. And, uh, and so today we're going to look at the giant of temptation. And I think we all understand temptation to some degree. There was a little boy in a grocery store, and he was standing by an open box of peanut butter cookies. And then the, uh, the grocer approached him and said, young man? He said, yes, sir. He said, it looks like you're about to try and take one of my cookies. And he said, no, sir. You're wrong, mister. I'm trying not to take one of those cookies. Now, that's what temptation is right there. And, uh, you know, we all know some things in certain are, are, are certain in life, right? Death, taxes, temptation, and difficulties, all right? They're all going to happen. And, uh, you know, Jesus said, in this life, you will have difficulties. And, and we know that we're going to be tempted. And so I think as Christians, we've got to learn how to overcome temptation if we're going to be able to live an abundant Christian life. And so... Uh, we also understand that temptation leads to trouble. Read a Reader's Digest article, and a man said he was shopping in the mall with his wife when a very shapely young woman in a short, form-fitting dress walked by. And he said as she walked by, his eyes followed her. Without looking up from the item his wife was examined, she said, was that worth the trouble you're in? You know, I mean, you know, I mean, some of you guys have been there, right? And, uh, and so that's the trouble with temptation. It gets you in trouble. Uh, how many times have you gotten caught doing something you weren't supposed to be doing and said, the devil made me do it, right? I mean, you know, the problem with that is that's convenient, but it's just not accurate. The devil can't make you do anything. Uh, the devil cannot make us do anything. He's clever. He's tricky. Uh, he can tempt us, but he's not all-powerful. And uh, now it may feel like he is when you're dangling on that hook of temptation and, uh, and, and he's trying to lure you into his net. So I want to look at the strategy that Satan uses to tempt us. We're going to look at several aspects of temptation. And, man, I just kept, this thing kept getting bigger on me, y'all. I started out with, uh, I was shooting for a shorter sermon, and I got a longer one. I'm, I'm preaching you a series. You're getting both barrels of the shotgun today. So Satan's strategy, if you look in James 1, 14 through 16, he says, temptation comes from our own desires, circle desires, which entice us, circle entice and drag us away. You can circle drag. Uh, these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And that's kind of the process of temptation right there. So I'm going to spell it out for you. And you can write down some things. Number one, Satan lays out the bait. He lays out the bait. Satan is not all-knowing, but he, he's like your smartphone, okay? Uh, you know, he knows where you've been searching. He knows, you know, and for instance, I, I went to uh, uh, Amazon and I was looking at ellipticals. Every three days I get an advertisement for an elliptical from Amazon. If I drive over by Academy, I get a pop-up, a good Father's Day gift for being elliptical, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, all these things. Some of y'all have done that. Hey, you know, I, Sears is out of business and I still get pop-ups from Sears if I drive down Vets. You know, and, and stuff like that. I guess they still have an online thing. So Satan is like your phone. He knows where you've been searching. And, uh, and, so, and so then, and he, he's like a fisherman that knows fish, you know. Somebody was talking about they like to fish. Well, guess what? 
that he knows how to fish. Next comes the appeal. Write that down, the appeal. Now, he can't make you take the bite, but he knows what happens inside when you get a glimpse of iPhone 14 coming out. You know, they, they leak it. They leak a little picture that may be it. You know, I can, you know, I can remember, you know, um, taking somebody to the airport. Forget which relative it was. About 6 in the morning, one morning, iPhone 4 was coming out. And I drove past the mall, and it looked like Christmas in the mall parking lot. And I'm waiting. This is like two hours before the thing's opening. I mean, you know. And so I said, oh, yeah, iPhone 4 is out. And, uh, and, and so, man, see that little that appeal, you know, and, and so he, he, he draws us into it. He knows what happens on the inside when you get that little glimpse, you know. You might say, well, you know, I'm not going to eat that ice cream today, but when you see it with that chocolate syrup and the strawberries on top, I mean, you know, all that stuff. Then next comes the struggle, and, you know, and this is where your conscience starts punching you in the, in the side, and, and you're having a fight over whether you're going to do it, you know, and, and uh, it, you, you know that there's some consequences, you know. It's like, when I went to the airport on that iPhone, on that, on that airport trip, I came back. I said, I'm just going to go in there and look at these people. It was, it was four wide from the Apple store all the way down to Dillard's in the mall. I mean, it was amazing. And I, and I knew about halfway through they were going to run out of iPhones. But I stayed there, and I was, just talk, I was standing next to an investment banker. He's in there before he has to go to work hoping to get a new iPhone. You know what I mean? You know, it's that struggle, and it's just like, man. I'd sure like to get one, but I didn't order one, you know. And so, uh, so I, I came back three times that day, you know, looking at that line and, and stuff like that. You got that struggle where, you know, you, 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 you kind of, you know it's not going to be good if you take the bait. Uh, you know, if it's the ice cream, you know it's going to show on the scales the next day or in how you feel that afternoon. So you got that struggle. And then, and then you know, the last part of temptation is temptation ends in a response, you know, it ends in response. We do something. And here's, here's three, basically three ways we, we respond to temptation. The first way we deal with temptation, we just give in. We just give in, y'all. I mean, you know, Adam was standing right next to Eve the whole time the devil was tempting her. And she said, here, eat this. And he goes, okay. What do most of us do? Here, honey, eat this. Okay. You know, I mean, he just ate it. I mean, he saw that that iPhone, I mean, he saw that that was good and he just gave right into it. The second way we deal with temptation is about as bad as we try and deal with it in our own strength. Uh, you know, that's why I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not eating any ice cream today. Well, I'm not going to eat any ice cream tomorrow. Or I, I, I'm not going to take a drink today. Well, I'm, I'll start tomorrow. I'll go and rehab tomorrow. I'll, you know, t- how many of you know tomorrow never comes, right? And, uh, and so we, we just fight it on our own strength, and that doesn't work out too good. The third way is we deal with it in the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. We're going to talk about that in a second. If you've ever resisted temptation and walking away from it, you know the feeling of freedom that follows that decision to resist. If you've ever given in, you know the pain of having that hook in your jaw pulling you along, right? And, uh, and so, you know, but before we look at how to overcome it, I want to look at some other aspects of temptation. Uh, you know, I want to look at, you know, have you ever thought about, why he tempts us, when he tempts us, and how he tempts us. We're going to look at those. And, and so we're going to look at when Satan tempts us. Did you know there's, there's times we're more susceptible to temptation than others? And, uh, and so uh, we're going to kind of, I'm going to talk you through the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness in Luke 4. 
It actually starts in, in chapter 3. And uh, so the first thing you can write down is we're often tempted after a spiritual high. Jesus was out in the wilderness. He got tempted by the devil after he got baptized. Now, baptism is where you're, for us, is where you're drawing a line in the sand and you're telling the devil and the world, I'm following Jesus, and that's it. And so Jesus got baptized in the Jordan River. Heaven opened up. The Father spoke with an audible voice. The Holy Spirit in the form of a dove comes down and lands on Jesus. Now, I have baptized people in the Jordan River, and none of that ever happened. Okay? So Jesus was at a pretty high spiritual moment. When he does that, immediately he goes out into the wilderness, and he gets tempted. Folks, let me tell you something. You'll find that Satan will often tempt you after you've experienced something spiritually uplifting or done something great for God. For instance, you go to a Christian concert and get in an argument on the way home. You know, or somebody cuts you off in traffic. Or you go to a conference and you're all fired up and something deflates that bubble. And uh, and because Satan will always counterattack with temptation. Uh, You know, and, uh, and, you know... Uh, we, we do that. We go to a concert. We get an argument on the way home. Some of y'all are going to argue on the way home today. You know, and, and so uh, we, we're going to be attacked after a spiritual high. The second one, we're often tempted when we're tired or weak. Jesus had been 40 days out in the wilderness with no food. Some of us can't go 40 minutes without food. Jesus was out there 40 days and 40 nights, no food. It's hot. You know, he's, he's tired. He's weak. I mean... It's hot out there. If you've ever been over there, it's not, it's not like there's a whole lot of shade trees around. It's a desert out there in the wilderness. And there's a lot of rocks, and there's a lot of rocks. There's not a lot of water, and there's more rocks. And he's out there all alone, you know. He's, he's, he's tired. He's hot. He's sweaty. He's, a, he's emotionally and physically exhausted, and the devil begins to tempt him. You will be tempted. You're more susceptible to temptation when you're physically tired, emotionally tired, or exhausted, because that's when you'll start making bad decisions. We're also often tempted when we're alone. Jesus was alone out in the wilderness, just him. He was out there, and and so we're going to be more susceptible when we're alone. I mean, you know, when you're with the right people, temptation will stay away, or at least it's weakened. And, and, uh, you know, and so you want to be around people who are a good influence on you. Pastor Kathy always says... The banana that gets away from the bunch gets peeled, and that's true. So, uh, so we, those are those kind of when we get tempted. So I don't know if you've ever thought about, you know, where temptation comes from, uh, you know, and so I'm going to give you. There are basically three. A temptation comes from the devil, the world, or your old nature, which the Bible calls the flesh. So we're going to look at those. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, the te- you know, here's the good news about it. 1 Corinthians says this, Paul said the temptation in your life, the temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. See, what happens is we think when we're being tempted by something, I'm the only one ever been tempted like this. I'm so bad. How many of y'all, don't, well, don't raise your hand because it would be incriminating, have ever thought I'm being tempted because I'm just not a good person? I'm just, if I was just better, if I knew more scripture, I wouldn't be tempted. We've all thought that. And, and so that temptation that you're having is no different than what anybody else has had. It's no different than what Jesus has been tempted. We're all tempted the same way. But the devil will try and get you to think, I'm the only one that's ever been tempted this way. And, uh, and, and so you'll get to thinking that way. And that's, that's messed up thinking. That's a psychological term for y'all. But um, so 
It's no different than what others are experiencing. And the good news part of that, too, is God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than what you can stand. Isn't that pretty cool? And he says, with it, when you're tempted, he'll show you a way out. We just don't look for the way out. So don't think your temptation is unique, that you're the only person in the world being tempted that way. So let's, let's look at these sources of temptation. One, temptation comes from the world we live in, the culture we live in. Uh, you know, the, uh, the Bible calls it the world, and when the Bible speaks of the world, it's talking about this system we live in, the culture. The culture in our world has always been anti-God. It's always been anti-God. And, uh, and so it comes from that. I mean, you know, look at, look at uh, 1 John 2.16. It says, the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for... That, that's, that's everything. That's whether it's food, we want to feel good. Whether it's drinking and drugging. Or whether it's sexual. All we want, our society is focused on pleasure. Think about it. Physical pleasure. A craving for everything we need. I was telling uh, Gil this week, uh, you know, uh, greed is alive and well today. We got this, we see all this stuff we want, you know. Uh, the, you know, uh, new cars, new houses, new, new iPhones, new watches, whatever it is, new clothes. I mean, you know, we, we don't wear clothes so they wear out. They, go, they might go out of fashion. They might not be out of fashion, but they might go, so you've got to go buy new ones, you know. So, uh, you know, the craving for everything we see and then, Pride in our achievements and possessions. We just got that pride of life. We're, we're, we're prideful about what we can do and what we can't do and all those things. And then here's what John says about that. Don't love this world or the things it offers you. We don't need to love any of that or what it offers. What does the world offer? The world offers a subpar counterfeit of what God offers you. The world offers you uh, physical, uh, it doesn't offer physical, it's a fake physical intimacy sexually. It, it, you feel good for a little while until you're hugging a toilet. If it's drinking and drugging, you, you know, you're looking for, for somebody to be committed to you, but you're looking in all the wrong places. I mean, the love is a subpar counterfeit. And we're not supposed to love the world or anything it offers. James, half-brother Jesus, goes even further. He said, don't you realize that your friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be an enemy of God. He said, I'll say it again, in case they didn't get it the first time. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Folks, we don't want to be an enemy of God. And, and, and what happens today, I think, so many Christians are so much a part of the world that you can't tell the difference between them and the ones who aren't Christians. We don't stand out for the Lord. We're kind of like this... This guy, when it comes to temptation, a man went to his doctor and said, Doc, I've been misbehaving for a while, and, and man, my conscience has been bothering me, so I came to you for some help. The doctor said, well, what do you want me to do? You want me to give you something to strengthen your willpower? He said, no, Doc. I was hoping you'd give me something to weaken my conscience. See, we, we kind of like our, our, our life, right? You know, I mean, it's like being around Mardi Gras. You know, nobody's signing up for Teen Challenge. They enjoying being drunk and disorderly for a while, you know, and, and so... Uh, we can't be like that. God has called us to be different in a good way from the culture. Paul said this in Romans 12 too. He said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. We don't have to have a drink or a drug to feel good and have fun. We don't have to have a relationship to, to feel completed. We don't, we don't look for those things like the world does, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let me tell you, we live in a culture today 
that's attacking your moral beliefs, your biblical moral beliefs. It's attacking your values. It's saying that what's evil is good and what's good is evil. I mean, we've elected district attorneys, even in our city of New Orleans, that won't prosecute drug crimes. They won't prosecute crimes. And, and, and uh, we've, got, we've got people that say, hey, this is okay. I mean, none of the rioters from last year are being uh, prosecuted. And, and if you disagree with the woke side of, of this world on Facebook, you will be crucified. You'll be crucified. Now, I mean, I mean that woke, woke group even turns on itself. I mean, ask Bruce Jenner. He came out and stated that transgender women do have an advantage over girls, biological girls in athletics. He would know, you know, and they've turned on him. we got a crazy culture going on, people. I mean, th- what's right is wrong, and what's wrong is right. And, and, uh, and so uh, we've got a culture that tries to make everything about race so it separates us. So we look through the prism of racism and say, well, you're terrible and I'm not terrible or whatever. Folks, we are either in Christ or we're out of Christ. That's it. See, Galatians says there's no... Jew, Gentile, Samaritan, all this stuff, there's only those who are in Christ or not. But see, we've got a culture that says, and Paul says, don't copy this culture. Get away from it. Get away from it. A man broke his arm in two places. Went to the doctor, and the doctor said, what happened? He said, well, I broke my arm in two places. What I need to do? He said, don't go back to those places. <laughs> and when it comes down to temptation, that's kind of the way we need to be, you know. I mean, we need to get away from some of those temptations of the world. The second source is our flesh or our old sinful nature. That's just, we got it built in, you know. We, we, you know, people today will say, oh, people are naturally good. No, they're not. Jeremiah said the heart of man is wicked. And, uh, and so, listen, we're born with a sin nature. That's an inclination or a predisposition to do bad things. It's inherited. We got it. We got it from Grandpa Adam, y'all. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And so you can thank Grandpa Adam. And, uh, and so the Bible calls it our flesh or our old nature. And we want to blame the devil, but all he can do is tempt us. He can't make you do anything, but our sinful nature will take his temptations and run with it to a whole new level if we let it. Look what, what Paul said in Galatians about the sinful nature. He said in Galatians 5.17, the sinful nature wants to do what? Evil. And he's just as blunt as he can be. Our sinful nature wants to do what is evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants to do. Then he said it a different way. And the Spirit gives us the desire to do the opposite of what the sinful nature wants. And those two natures are fighting. And so, uh, listen, I'll say this. I mean, if, if the devil stopped tempting you today, and he won't, you'd still be tempted because of your sinful nature. Because of your sinful nature. See, write this down. It's not in your notes. But we sin... Because we have a sinful nature. We don't have a sinful nature because we commit acts of sin. We sin because we have a sinful nature. Discipleship Magazine did a survey a while back and they listed out and they ranked some of the greatest temptations people face. And I just thought I'd, I'd run through some of them real quick. And uh, the first one was materialism. I was kind of surprised at that. I thought immorality would be maybe number one. But materialism shows greed is alive and well. We are very materialistic in our country, and uh, in, in, in a lot of places in modern country, but we're very materialistic. The other one is pride, arrogance, pride, uh, you know, and things like that. And, uh, and so, guys, just 
go to a blank screen if you don't have what I'm talking about. And, uh, and so pride uh, is the second one. Self-centeredness was number three. We live in a self-centered uh, world. Our culture is all about me, my rights, my pleasure. Uh, me, don't cut me off. Don't ask me to do anything. Uh, me, me, me. Laziness is another one. We just, I mean, every, you, you just pay attention on the windows by the doors when you go to eat today. Hiring, now hiring, all positions. Everybody's hiring. You can't say you can't find a job. They're everywhere. And, uh, and, and so we just got a lot of lazy people. Rather get an unemployment check than go to work. You know, and, and, uh, and so we gotta, we got to get beyond that. Anger and bitterness. Have you ever seen a time when there's so much anger, whether it's in the media, whether it's in traffic? Drive around here for a little while and, and just see uh, the road rage that's out there. I mean, it's crazy. Sexual lust was another one. We live in a, in a culture that, that wants to make uh, you do anything you want to do sexual is okay. In, in this culture. Envy is another one. I want what you have. I want what I don't have. You know, gluttony. And we don't have a problem with that at River Church, so we're just going by that one. Uh, lying is another one, you know. And, and, uh, and so, you know, all of these are temptations that people face. Now, here's, here's what the survey also found. It said 81% said temptation was stronger when they neglected their time with the Lord in their devotional time and church attendance. I want you to think about that. 81% said temptation is stronger when they were neglecting their time with the Lord. What have we just been through this last year? A year of isolation where people have dropped out of church where they, for a while they were watching it online and then online attendance has gone down all across the board and everything and people have been isolated. 81% more likely to fall into a temptation because of that isolation, being away from your time with the Lord and church attendance. Let me tell you, it's important to be here. It's why Jesus said, don't, ne- don't neglect the meeting together. Paul said that, but we're not to neglect that meeting together because we're never created to be alone. 57% said the temptation was stronger when they were physically tired. You know, So when you're physically exhausted, temptation is stronger. 84% said they resisted temptation by prayer. That's going back in the right direction. 76% said they avoided compromising situations that helped them overcome temptation. 66% said Bible reading and and Bible study helped them. And then 52% said being accountable to somebody, uh, you know, helped. And so all those things, man, we've got to be plugged into the Lord. I believe we've got to be plugged in to a group, a church, a local church. I believe... You know, God's plan is the local church, is the church of Jesus Christ completely, but he's got local churches, and those are ordained to meet together so that we can be strong together and resist these temptations. The third source of temptation, you've you've got our culture, you've got our old nature, the third one's the devil. Now, a lot of people don't believe in the devil. You know, they say, well, the devil's just a metaphor. Well, let me ask you, how many of you remember the story where Jesus went to Gadarenes and, and you had the demon-possessed guy. He was breaking chains and all that. And when he came running at Jesus, he said, uh, he, you know, he, he asked Jesus to have mercy on him. And he said, who are you? And he said, we're legion, for we're many. Please don't throw us back into the abyss. And Jesus said, okay, you can go in those pigs. And the pigs ran down into the ocean. If, if the devil is a metaphor, who made the pigs run into the ocean? Or commit, commit pigicide? 
suicide. <laughs> suicide. Okay. So, I mean, the devil is real. Jesus talked about him like he was real. The Bible talks about when he got thrown out of heaven, he's real. Matter of fact, Peter said this, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. The devil is your enemy. He is not your friend. He will never be your friend. It don't matter what he's making, how good he's making the temptation look. He is not your friend. Say that with me. The devil is not my friend. All right. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's real. Jesus believed in him, and I believe in him. So let's look at, you know, those are the temptations, where they come from. Now, why, why would we be tempted? You know, if we can't overcome something, then we can't show that we're following God. You know I mean? We're, you're made in the image of a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You've got a spirit, soul, and body. And, uh, and so we're tempted in each of those areas. So write this down. The world tempts our soul. The soul is our mind, will, and our emotions. Uh, you know, that's where our desires are, our ego, and all that kind of stuff. So when we talk about a worldly person, we're talking about somebody who's easily influenced by the pleasures of the world. You know, you, you're, you're, you're happy with your stuff. You're happy with, uh, you know, what you can do. When the herdsmen of Abraham and Lot back in Genesis started fighting over the pasture, Abraham said, Lot, look any direction you want to, and then you can have that, and I'll go the opposite way. And so Lot looked back to the east where the city was and said, I want to go over there. See, he, he got lured into thinking he was wealthy already. He got lured into thinking, I can go over there and be a big shot. See, we're all, we're all lured into thinking, hey, look, you know, you, can, you need more, you can have more, you can get more. Go get it, you know. And that's kind of where Lot went. And so the world tempts our soul. It tempts us uh, with, a, with the craving for everything we see. The craving for everything we see. The flesh tempts our body. And let me tell you, we're tempted to, towards things like laziness, lust, overindulgement, uh, sexual immorality. I mean, the flesh wants to use your body as a vehicle of expression. When King David was walking around on the roof of his palace, he spotted a beautiful woman taking a bath, and instead of turning away, he stopped and stared. And, uh, and you know, lust rose up in him, and his sex drive kicked into high gear, and his passions were being attacked by his flesh. His mind began playing out scenarios, and instead of going downstairs to his wife and his family, he sent aides to get her and bring him to him, and uh, he committed sexual sin. His physical body was attacked by his flesh. David gave into it. And brought a world of pain into his life. And that's what happens. You know, uh, we, we, the flesh will attack your body. And it'll, it'll attack your, whether it's overeating, whether it's drinking and drugging, whether it's sexual pleasures, it attacks your body. The devil, on the other hand, attacks your spirit. You see, the devil, the spirit, your spirit is your expression of how you connect with God. We connect with God. See, animals have a soul and a body. But they don't have a spirit. We have a spirit. We're created in the image of God. And, and we connect to God through our spirit. And, and the devil wants to mess that up if he can. So he's going to attack you in that area. It's our area of God consciousness. And, uh, and so we, we can know God. We have this sense of morality that, that animals and other creations don't. Write this down. The spirit of man is the vehicle of worship and communication with God. That's how we communicate with God. And the devil wants to cut that off if he can. He's at war against your spirit. He hates you. He hates the fact that you can belong to God. 
And if he can, he's the one that puts doubts in your mind about God. He's the one that puts doubts whether God exists, whether God can do for you, whether God loves you, whether God wants you. He's the one that puts that thought in there, I've done so much, God will never forgive me. He's the one that puts that in there. He attacks your spirit. See, in Old Testament times, King Saul turned away from following God and relied on the witch of Endor for direction. He wasn't on an ego trip or under sexual attack. He wasn't being tempted by his soul or his body. He was being tempted in his spirit, and his faith faltered. And that's what Satan wants for you and me. He attacked Saul in the spiritual realm, tempting him to doubt God and his truth, and Saul fell into the trap, and he'd do that to us if he can. So all of these, the world, the flesh, the devil, war against your soul, body, and your spirit. I think if we understand this, we can, it'll help us to overcome temptation in our lives. So we're going to look at how do we, over, how do we conquer temptation? Write these down real quick. To overcome temptation, we need faith. To overcome the temptation of the world, we need faith. Look what 1 John 5, 4 said. For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory, what? Through our faith. That's faith in God, not only for salvation, but for our daily life. We defeat this evil world through our faith. Let me tell you, you've got to have a relationship with Jesus first. Then you've got to have faith in Jesus. And, and that's our best weapon against worldliness. The only way we can get through the temptations of the world is to focus on Jesus. You can't focus on Jesus and hate somebody. You can't focus on Jesus and be filled with lust. You can't focus on Jesus and want to get even. You can't do that. I mean, then when the world comes and offers you crumbs, you can reject it. Because you feasted at the Lamb's table. When the, when the world offers you a hot dog, you can reject it because you ate steak with Jesus. You don't have to fall for any of that stuff. See, when our soul is satisfied with God and we're full of His love and life and we're responding to temptation with spiritual faith, we will overcome the temptations that wage against our soul. The Bible says we love the world with its system and values. We're not loving God. So write this down. If you want to defeat the temptations of the world, love God more. You don't, you don't, you, you, you've got an allegiance problem if you're falling into temptation. You've got to love God more, which means you've got to get into word. You've got to get to know him. The more, the more I love God, the less I'm going to do to offend him. Does that make sense? See, when our soul is satisfied with God and we're full of his love, we're not going to fall for those temptations. I love this old hymn. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. It's one of my old favorite hymns. I won't sing it for you because you'll leave here going, my ears, my ears. But turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. And that's what happens. Faith in the power of God is the key to overcoming the world. There's a guy named Jerry Kirk wrote about TV porn, and he said, I travel a lot in my job, and and I stay in a lot of hotels with cable TV. I sometimes struggle uh, whether to watch pornography while in the room. One time I was flipping through the channels to find the World Series, he said. While flipping, he came across a channel with a half-nude woman. He flipped to the baseball game. Ten minutes later, he flipped back to the movie. Then he flipped back to the World Series. He did that four or five times, he said, before he shut off the TV. He said he was unnerved at the power of the temptation, especially since he'd given his life to combat pornography. He said, I had to come face to face with the Lord and plead for mercy. 
Lord, how is this possible? I be, he said, I began to lose confidence in my own prayers. And he said, and God reminded me, he said, Jerry, I'm not surprised by your sin. I've known all along you were a sinner. I'm, I've known all along that you were weak. He said, but I needed you to know that you were weak. And I need you to know that I alone will make you strong. Folks, we've got to have faith in God. If we're gonna, and that includes a trust and a dependence on God for every day. To overcome temptations of the flesh, we need, write this down, flight. Flight. Sometimes you just got to run. Okay? You know, when we're faced with a fleshly temptation... We either need to run or flee. The Bible says flee, sexual immorality. And, uh, and so we need to run away. You know, so if you're faced with temptation or you're tempted to watch a movie that's going to arouse sexual impurities, run away. You can't watch uh, movies with sexual uh, content and keep your thoughts pure before God. You just can't do it. You just cannot do it. A lot of people think they can watch that stuff and it doesn't affect them, but Paul disagrees. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. He said, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. That's when you're going to fall. When you think, I can do this on my own. The guys that I've seen over the years that fall are the ones that say, that won't happen to me. The ones that make it are the ones that say, except by the grace of God, that's me. We've got to know that only through Christ are we strong. That's why if you're an unmarried couple dating or whatever, you can't have these secluded rendezvous and expect to remain pure. You just don't get in that, that situation. Solomon said, can a man scoop a flame in his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? You know, I mean, that's not going to happen. You know, we've got to make up our mind to run away from certain temptations. When Potiphar's wife tempted Joseph, what did he do? He got out of there. He still got falsely accused, but Joseph fled the scene. Had he stayed, he would have committed adultery with Potiphar's wife. But he was smart enough to leave. He's smart enough to leave. There's a football player named Justin Armour. He was a rookie, when he was a rookie wide receiver with the Buffalo Bills, some teammates, veterans, invited him to a party. He said he, he's, Justin went, and he couldn't believe what he saw. There were beautiful women, and they were everywhere offering free sex to any of the guys that wanted it. He said, uh, it was the most eye-opening experience I ever had, Justin said. He said, I'd heard about things like this, but I was so naive. Here's the key. He said, I got out of there as quick as I could. I got out of there as fast as I could. As a single Christian guy, Justin had committed to saving sex for his marriage. To do so, he knew he needed to get out of the way of temptation. He needed to run from it. He said this, I'd rather not have had my mind polluted by those things. Once you've been in a couple of situations where there's a temptation, you learn to avoid them and you don't go back. So flight means to get away from the temptation. You've got to get away from it. To overcome temptation of the devil... We need to fight, F-I-G-H-T. Both James and Peter say if we resist the devil, he'll flee. You aren't told to flee from Satan. You're told to fight him. He's not going to leave you alone. Let me tell you, you can run from him. He's going to chase you. He's not going to leave you alone. So we're going to have to learn to fight him. Not in our power, but in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the devil doesn't pay attention to our strength. There was a, a couple of stories in the New Testament. One, the sons of Sceva, they were... They were going, you know, cast out demons and stuff, and the demons just beat them to a pulp, you know, and, and, and he'll do that to you as well. And so what the devil does fear is he fears the overcoming power of the blood of Jesus that has been applied to our lives. 
the blood of Jesus, the power of the blood of Jesus that covers you and forgives your sin. That's what the devil is afraid of. Revelation chapter 12, it said, They have defeated the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Let me tell you, when the devil attacks you, when the devil attacks you, you fight back with the truth of what the blood of Jesus has done in your life. When, when you bring the word of God, that's the sword of the Spirit against him. You fight back with the truths of Scripture. You hold up your commitment to Christ against him. You put your sin under the blood of Jesus and you will no longer have to be on the defensive. You can be on the offensive. You just remind yourself, I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I resist the devil and the temptation in the name of the Almighty God. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and I will not let the devil trespass on God's property. You just tell him that and he's going to take off. With God's help, I'm going to resist. So to fight means resisting and standing firm. Look at these scriptures. James said this, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know what? If you just resist the devil in your own strength, he's going to beat you to a pulp. He's going to win. You submit yourself to God and you come against him and you resist him in the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, the devil will flee. Peter said this, watch out, your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Look what he says, stand firm against him. Be strong in what? Your faith. In the jail, the guys a lot talk, talk about getting worded up. Folks, we got to be worded up against the devil, right? I mean, we, we got to build our faith up. You stand strong in your faith. And then he said, and remember, your family of believers all over the world is going through the same thing. Nothing you're going through is unique compared to what anybody else is going through. We're all going through the same things, and we can fight it using the same weapons. Paul says this about Satan's strategies. He says, so that Satan will not outsmart us. How many of you don't want the devil to outsmart you? He said, we're familiar with his evil schemes. And so we've looked at his schemes this morning, and we've looked at how to defeat those schemes. You know, I love war history. I mean, my daddy was a World War II fighter pilot. And had a cousin actually served under General Patton, second cousin. He's my dad's cousin. And uh, General Patton was, he was a great student of war history. He's, a, he's an awesome general. And, uh, and so Patton's troops and tanks were engaged in a series of battles in northern Africa. And we were watching last night how we decided to go into northern Africa and try, instead of trying to do a frontal attack on Europe. And so Patton was the one in northern Africa that was dueling with Edwin Rommel, who was known as the greatest tank commander, battle commander in the history. And Patton was, was, uh, didn't fall for any of Rommel's tricks or traps. He, as a matter of fact, counterattacked. And when Patton was in his staff car overlooking the battle, and he saw when the battle turned, he stood up in his, in his car and he yelled, I read your book. I, I can't repeat the rest of what he said. I read your book. You know, and, and uh, see, Patton had read Rommel's book on uh, infantry attacks. He had learned Rommel's strategy, and he knew how to defeat Rommel. And this is just a side. The Germans were scared to death of Patton. They were scared to death of Patton. And so, you know, he, he defeated Rommel. Let me tell you, Satan hadn't written any books, but we know his schemes. We know his strategy, and we don't have to fall for his traps through 
listen, through God's power by faith, flight, and fight, we can defeat the tempter and his temptations. Write that down. Through God's power by faith, flight, and fight, we can defeat the tempter, that's the devil, and his temptations. I want you to bow your heads. It all starts. It starts with faith. You've got to have a faith in God. And it starts with a faith in Jesus as your Savior. So if you're watching online and, or if you're in this room and maybe you really don't have a faith in Christ, you've never said, Jesus, I need you in my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ right now. It's just a simple prayer. I prayed this prayer myself many, many years ago, and it changed my life. It rocked my world. It changed everything. But you've got to, yourself, invite Jesus. It's not a religion. It's not even a faith. It's you having a personal faith in a living God. And Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I will come in. And he's knocking at the door of your heart today if you don't know him. And so just silently in your chairs, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. You invite him in. Just say, Jesus, I need you as my Savior. Please forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior. Be my my Lord. As best I can, I give you control over my life. If you pray that earnestly, Jesus will forgive you of your sins. He'll come into your life and he will change you into the person that he wants you to be. Now you may be here today also and your faith has just been weak. Maybe you've been isolated for a year. Maybe you're you're watching and you say, man, I'm watching this at home and I'm not even, I don't even have the strength to fight or run. There's nowhere to run. I want to pray for you because God wants to strengthen you. God, you know, we've got to have faith. Sometimes we've got to remove ourselves from temptations. That might involve changing jobs. We've got to fight the devil. So, Father, you, you see people's hearts. Lord, that needs strength. Maybe they've been getting beat up by the devil. But we know when we resist on our own power, it just doesn't work. Lord, I know we've got people that just give in. Lord, help us to fight temptation through the power of our relationship with you, through the power of your Holy Spirit working in us. So God, I pray for those who know you already but are struggling to fight the good fight, Lord, we just pray you fight it for us. You fight it through us. We submit ourselves to you right now. In the name of Jesus.